It's me again. <laughs> Morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of 2 Peter. As was read this morning from our scripture reading, we are continuing in a discussion that we started at the beginning of this year, focused around our goals here as a congregation. And I kind of I kicked off an introductory lesson to that series, but I've not really chipped in as much this year to, to those goals lessons as we've been looking here and focused on the book of 2 Peter in chapter 1. And I want to remedy that this morning by chipping in a lesson into this series that I think is hopefully really tied into the things we just got done talking about in my first lesson this morning. Hopefully, hopefully you'll see how these things dovetail together. But our goals are growing to spiritual maturity. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning for a little bit, our focus on our spiritual growth. And if you think about the first lesson being a challenge for us to hear better, you know, to take our hands off of our ears, this lesson is taking our hands off of our eyes. And you might say, well, tomato, tomato, Brian, those are the same things, right? Like, isn't this exactly, well, you'll see how this is different in just a little bit here. I did just say tomato, tomato, by the way. Um, for our young people, this is actually, this was a challenge of mine. I'll just give you a little sneak peek into my weird thoughts for presenting a sermon. I've been curious for a while whether or not you could title a sermon with emoji. Just having emoji only being the title for the sermon. So if my first lesson I might have titled with the monkey covering up his ears emoji, this would be the monkey covering up his eyes emoji. Because sometimes that's what we do. We don't want to see what's in front of us. We don't want to see what's coming our direction or the truth around us. Sometimes it's easier for us to just close our eyes. And that is exactly what we start seeing here in Peter's writing here. In this example, this story in 2 Peter, we see how we need to be unblinded. We need to open our eyes. Because if we find ourselves not growing the way we should, we may just not be looking close enough. We may not be perceiving the reality around us. So we're going to continue in our series, Growing to Spiritual Maturity, talking about this idea that he addresses in verse 9 about our spiritual vision, about what we see. And I think it's important for us to kind of maybe back up just a second as we started this, as I started this conversation at the beginning of the year, I had a lesson called From Grace to Growth. And really, it was sort of a, an idea that in the beginning verses here, in verses 3 through roughly about verse 4, Peter is encouraging us to see the amazing grace that has been presented to us. To just stop and realize how God has called us to a relationship with him. That we could become, as he says here, partakers of the divine nature. How we've escaped the corruption of the world. And how as we stand here cleansed from our sins. What do we do next? How do we respond when God has been so amazing to us? We grow. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about these qualities, these virtues. We'll get into that in just a second. But if you... If you look here at verse 8, 
after the qualities, after all these things that we've been talking about this whole year, Sean introduced a, a, a topic here from verse 8 in his last lesson that I feel like rolls right into this one as well. It says in verse 8, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter here is looking at our growth. He's looking at if, if, if you're doing these things, if these qualities are yours and they're growing, then you are fruitful. As, as Sean talked about in the last lesson in this series, you're connected to the vine. You have a relationship with Jesus. He supplies you and you grow in him and you bear fruit. And it's an amazing relationship when everything is working so well together. But then he goes in, in verse 9, to the negative aspect of this. And this is helpful. This is a preacher tactic sometimes we like to do. You know, when you say, here's the positive, and now let's look at the negative. And that's what he does here. For whoever lacks these qualities. So you're not increasing. You are not growing in these things. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgot that he was cleansed from his former sins. So we're going to stop here for a second this morning, and we're going to take a look at verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. We're just going to really focus on this verse, and it's the negative aspect of it. We're not growing. We're not adding to our faith. We're not connected to the vine. We're not being productive in the kingdom. And if we are that way, if we lack these qualities, he's so nearsighted that he is blind. Now you can see why I would title this with the monkey emoji with his hands over his eyes. This is, the, this is the, the blindness that comes our way when we don't grow, when we're not adding to our faith all of these things that we've been studying about this year. We've been looking at faith. Sean studied with us about virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. You can go back in the back catalog if you need help finding it, I'd love to help you find it on our website. There are, there are all of these lessons there on our website that you can go look at and you can study on your own about how to grow in these things. Really helpful. And it's actually so important. These are not just like, oh, a couple nice things that we studied about this year, right? Check off the box, right? No, these are important qualities and characteristics that Peter says in verse 8, if we're growing in these things, if we're if we're increasing in these things, then we're fruitful. We're bearing fruit for the Lord. But then, and the scary thought is, if in verse 9 we're lacking these things, if in verse 9, in fact, we don't maybe have enough knowledge, we're not growing in knowledge, maybe we're not growing in our honor to the Lord God, in our godliness, maybe we're not growing in love. Maybe we're lacking these things. We haven't, we haven't shored up our faith in the way that we really should. If we're lacking in these things, Peter says, we are blind, nearsighted, and forgetful. If you had to guess what I'm about to do in my sermon, for those of you who are intuitive enough and, and tied in enough to what I like to do, sometimes some of you would probably expect me to jump right into 
the Greek words, right? Like, what do these Greek words mean? I want to see what the Greek words are. What, what other words are connected to these words? We're not even going to do that today. But I would encourage you to look deeply at these words because there are some really interesting ways that these words are used in the culture of the time in which they were written and especially nearsightedness. Now, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to whet your appetite. If you want to know a little bit more about it, you should study about this word nearsightedness because it's super interesting what Peter might actually be saying here. Now, moving on. No more Greek word talk. We're going to talk about blindness and nearsightedness and forgetfulness. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes in our lessons, you know, we've done this whole series and we've been looking at these things. Have you been thinking about this coming from the author? Have you been thinking about all of these things, these qualities, these characteristics, everything else? Have you been thinking about Peter while we've been talking about these things? I haven't. I'll just be honest. I haven't. I've been thinking about faith. I've been thinking about brotherly love and all the things we've been talking about. I've been focused so much on the virtues that I missed who was talking to me. And I stopped as I was reading this verse in verse 9. And I realized that Peter is speaking from personal experience. I think sometimes as a Bible study tool, sometimes it's helpful for us not just to look at what is said, but who is saying it and why they might be saying it. Why is Peter talking to us about blindness, nearsightedness, and forgetfulness? Peter, let's just be honest. Let's lay it out all on the table here. If you know anything about Peter, Peter has struggled with blindness, nearsightedness, and forgetfulness, right? Now, tying this back into my last lesson, are you going to throw out this whole verse? Because, oh, well, look who's telling it to us. This is the, it's rich, Peter. You of all people telling us about blindness and nearsighted and forgetfulness. Don't you know all the times back in the ministry when you were with Jesus, how he called you blind and nearsighted and forgetful? Oh, yeah, let's, let's review that for just a second. Because I think it's helpful for us to see that Peter, as he writes to us this in verse 9, he has experience with these things. Peter struggled with these things. He struggled with blindness. And of course, you can go back to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 8, pardon me, Mark chapter 8, you can go there, and you can find out how Jesus, as his disciples were going around. Jesus, by the way, gets done healing a blind man here in this section in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, he heals this blind man. And then later on here in verse 29, Peter expresses such clear vision that it's, it's really impressive what Peter says. After all these things are happening, Jesus asks them this question, who do people say that I am? And he asks them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said to him, you are the Christ. Doesn't it sound like Peter is seeing things clearly? I think he is. I think Peter is seeing things so very clearly. He sees Jesus, and he knows Jesus. You are the Christ. That's you. But what does he say right after this? What happens right after this? And He begins to teach them how he's going to suffer and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Jesus begins explaining to them all the things that are going to happen here coming up with his crucifixion. And in verse 32, and he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter was blind. Peter did not see the things of God. He only saw the things of man. Peter, Jesus called him Satan. He wasn't seeing things clearly. He, he didn't have his eyes open. So in one hand, yes, Peter was seeing, but on the other hand, Peter didn't see. And this isn't the only time, of course. You might stick a thumb here in Mark, because we'll be back here in just a second, but in the book of Matthew, Matthew is another account, and I think this is a really powerful account with nearsightedness, of course, as Jesus is about to perform one of the most amazing miracles that we see Jesus performing. Jesus is talking to us here as he walks out on the water. And in Matthew chapter 14, Peter looks out and he, and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. So stop right there for a second. Peter sees Jesus walking out on the water. You think he would have done that? You think he would have been like, hey, Jesus, can I come out too? Like, for a lot of us who think that that would be us, maybe I would have enough faith to do that, I'd say think again. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even thought that was an option. Can I? Is that even possible? And Peter's like, yeah, let me do it. If you want me to, Jesus, I'll be out there with you. And Jesus says, come. So Peter got out the boat and walked down the water to Jesus. He was focused on Jesus. He wasn't focused on the storm at that moment. He was so locked in. Is that you, Jesus? Can I come there too? And he calls him to come, and he comes. Great faith. I mean, come on. He has great faith in this moment. And then he saw the wind, and he began to be he began to be afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached out his hand and says to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Do you remember the first quality and those characteristics that we should be growing in in 2 Peter chapter 1? What was the first quality we should be adding everything to? Our faith. If these things are lacking, you are blind and nearsighted. Jesus says Peter had little faith because he was too distracted by what else was going on and couldn't see what was right in front of him, even though for a time he did a great job. So he's nearsighted, yes, and oh, we know. <laughs> he is forgetful. You go back to Mark. I told you to stay there. So Mark chapter 14 is another place where obviously as Jesus was preparing for his own death. And Peter is so confident. In verse 29, after, after Jesus says to him in, in Mark 14, verse 26 through about verse 28, he explains to him that the sheep is going to be, or the, the shepherd is going to be struck and the sheep will be scattered. He says, you'll all fall away. And what does Peter say? Of course, Peter says, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Does Peter see very clearly who Jesus is and what's going to happen? He seems to think, I'm locked in, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. 
All these other guys around me, they can fall away. I'm not gonna. And Jesus clarifies to him, no, Peter, you're gonna fall away, and I'll tell you exactly when you'll remember what you just said, when you hear that rooster crow the second time. And that's what we see in verse 72. Immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crowed twice, you will deny me three times. He breaks down. He starts crying because he forgot what he said earlier that night. So way to go, Peter. <laughs> way to go, Peter. You who say about blindness and nearsightedness and forgetfulness, weren't you that way? And maybe you say, oh, well, that, that was old Peter. Old Peter was that way. Old Peter was the guy, you know, before Jesus died, old Peter just didn't know what he was doing. He was tripping around. He was sticking his feet in his mouth. He was making mistakes all the time. He was really zealous. He was very excited. But he just had no control over himself. But Peter kept being like that even after Jesus ascended, even after he began his ministry along with the rest of the disciples. Don't you remember how Peter still struggled after in Acts chapter 10? He saw that great vision that we've been studying about, how he looks and he sees the amazing things that are presented before his eyes, how the sheet comes down, how all the animals are there, and we're going to be seeing this vision. And he knows, oh yeah, the Gentiles are accepted too. This is all about the whole community of the Lord's people coming together, not just Jews, but Gentiles together. And he sees that so clearly in this vision. He has vision from the vision. And then we get to Galatians chapter 2. Then we get to Galatians chapter 2, and you know what he does in Galatians chapter 2. He's spending his time with the Gentiles. He's eating with them. He's relating to them. He's connecting with them. And as soon as James and his other Jewish friends come along, Peter plays the hypocrite. Peter ditches the Gentiles and won't eat with them anymore. Even to the point where Barnabas, the son of encouragement, follows Peter's lead. Peter has a really negative impact on some people around him. And the Apostle Paul has to stand up and be like, you knock it off. That's a paraphrase, by the way. But if you go to Galatians chapter 2, there's a whole conversation they have. And basically, Paul tells him, you better knock it off, buddy. So, I say all of that not to throw Peter under the bus. I, I say all of that not to, not to demean Peter's character. But when Peter tells us, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. That means something. It hits differently when you see who is saying it. It really does change your perspective on what this verse is saying when you realize that Peter knows exactly what this means from experience. Peter's not just giving us a master class, having never experienced these things. And of course, oh, by the way, the Spirit is, is leading him to write these things. So of course, this is coming from God. But when we see that Peter struggled with these things, I think it's helpful for us. So let's just stop here for a second and address the big idea here in this lesson. And that is 
that though we may struggle to see our spiritual condition clearly, there is still time for us to open our eyes and make progress. You understand what I'm saying? You may feel like you failed over and over and over, oh, and over again, like Peter did. But there's still time to correct things and move forward. And that's where I think the power of opening our eyes to seeing our spiritual condition right now is so helpful for us. It's not that we have to grow in all of these virtues so perfectly and never mess up along the way, and oh, it's just such a smooth sail all the way up to, no, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle to see things clearly, and we'll say one day, I want to do so much better, and the next day, we're going to struggle. And if you've not felt like Peter, can we talk afterward? (laughs) I feel like Peter all the time. I know sometimes we read about these folks in the Bible who are, you know, they just seem to have no problems. They're like, just carrying on. Everything's fine. They're doing the great stuff and the hard work and the, on their way to the, to the Lord someday. Well, I don't connect with people like that when I look at people like Peter. When I look at people like Peter who struggle and have difficulty, he's the kind of guy I connect with. So I think when we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, I think his struggle is our struggle. Do you connect with Peter? Because I think when we start to see what Peter has gone through and his struggle to grow in the ways that he wants to, that he knows he should, I think sometimes it just highlights how we are too busy or we are too distracted to put in the constant work of honing our character and clarifying our spiritual sight. This takes work. I mean, hopefully you've gotten that over the last year as we've been studying about these qualities, these characteristics. Hopefully you see that this is not just like a, all right, I have checked off the box on self-control for the rest of my life. It's like, no. It's constant. It's ongoing. It's a continual thing that that we constantly put ourselves into. But if we're so busy and we're so distracted that we never have time to open our eyes, and look into that mirror and say, what am I doing with my life? (coughs) Am I following the Lord the way that I I want to? If we don't actually open our eyes and stop for a minute to see that it's a constant daily battle that we face, then maybe we've blinded ourselves to our own situation. I think the Hebrews writer really helps us see this in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. As he's struggling, I think, in the beginning of this chapter to really help them understand who Melchizedek is. That's the, that's the context for this. You know, they should have been further along in their faith to this point. And he says, you have become dull of hearing. By the way, remember we were talking about stepping on toes before? That's the Hebrews writer laying the smack down here. You've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. Now, if you stop right there, I know the verse is on the screen, so you can keep reading. But stop right there for a second. Do you get the sense here 
that the Hebrews writer is only talking to us about Bible study? Because I, I, I get that. From the context, you know, he's talking about Melchizedek. So you should have gone back in the scriptures. You should have been learning about Melchizedek. You should be growing in your knowledge of the scriptures. I think that's part of it. But what he says next kind of helps me understand that it's more than just being in our Bibles. Being in our Bibles is absolutely important. That was part of one of the virtues we were talking about in 2 Peter chapter 1, knowledge. But then he goes on to say here, solid food is the mature, for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It's about constant practice. It's about daily doing what we ought to do and practicing that every moment of our life. Constant practice is the Hebrews writer's encouragement to us. Put it into practice every day. I was too busy today to practice. I was too busy today to put in the time to grow. No. Because if you aren't growing, then you're blind. And that's what Peter is trying to encourage us to do. Every single day, you need to practice your faith. You need to practice growing in these ways. And so while this was a really nice summary of some of these qualities that we've done over the last year, these are not just a 2023 experiment that we were doing. These have to be a part of every day of our life. And Peter's saying, if we're not looking at that, if we're not focused on adding those things and continuing in those things, we are blind. And the Hebrews writer is saying the same thing. But I also see that for a lot of us, as with Peter, our actions don't always line up with our stated values. What we do is not always what we say we want to do. What we do doesn't always jive with what we talk about a lot. And this is, this is my problem so often. If I could just sort of lay it out on the table here. Lay it out on the table here. Um, you know, from, from my own life, I get up and I, and I preach these sermons. Or maybe I'll be talking about something in a Bible class. Or maybe I'll be recording a podcast about something. And we'll be talking through some of these serious things. And for me, what I've noticed is one of the very first things that happens on Monday or the day after these conversations happen I'm faced with having to deal with the exact stuff I said I wanted to do. And if you don't see that from Peter's life, you're missing the boat. Because Peter dealt with the same exact thing. You say so many good things, so many powerful affirmational words, so many things that state what you actually value, but when it comes down to it, when the rubber hits the road, do you practice what you say you value? First John. Chapter 2, John has some really powerful things to say about this. When he says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. doesn't matter what you say. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We said so much about love and about brotherly kindness in those conversations that we had about these qualities. And we could say all day long, oh yeah, I love my brother. Oh yeah, I'll be kind to them. But unless you actually practice it, 
unless you actually act like you love your brother, then your words don't match up with your actions. And if that doesn't step on your toes, okay, we can talk afterward. Because it does mine for sure. But Peter's struggle is our struggle in that sometimes our times of introspection and our times of study don't actually lead us to go out into the world and make changes. Is this your problem too? Yeah. I think we all struggle with this. We're here. This is a little you know, incubation chamber as we sort of think about these things together and we're trying to become better people. And then Monday rolls around and we go out into the world and do we actually put into practice the things that we've talked about today? And if not, then again, it kind of goes with the last point a little bit. But you know, as Peter said, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to leave you, Jesus. And then he leaves Jesus. If you've been there, if you've forgotten what you said you wanted to do, James chapter 1, this, is, this hits right to, to the point. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, really looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he'll be blessed in his doing. Challenging stuff. Remember in the last lesson where I said that the Bible is full of challenging things? This is one of these verses. Because we need to figure out if if what we say we want is actually what we want to do. So what do we do about it? I mean, you could sort of leave the lesson here. We could all walk away and go home and try to figure it out for ourselves. But I think there's a couple of things that we can take away, maybe as a nugget for ourselves to bring into the week and remind ourselves of and remind each other of. There is a cure. And one of the cures, I think, is to zealously repent. And I focus on that word zealously because that's exactly what Jesus focuses on in his conversation with the church at Laodicea. You remember in Revelation chapter 3, as Jesus has some very sharp words to say to this lukewarm church. They're not progressing. They're not growing. They're not adding to their faith any of these things. They don't care. They're not moving backward necessarily. They're not cold, as he he goes on to describe them, but they're not hot either. And he says in verse 18 of Revelation chapter 3, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He wants them to see. Because what did they got done doing right before this? You say you are rich and have prospered and need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They talk a good game. They think they're doing so well, but their hands are over their eyes. And Jesus says, I have the solution. I have the solution. I have the salve to anoint your eyes so that you can wash away that salve and you can be cleansed. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. That's what he says. That's his solution to their problem. 
light the fire again, and quit doing what you're doing now. The zeal part of that is so important. You know, you know what's cool about Peter? I don't think Peter ever had to light the zeal fire again, because Peter was always zealous, a little too zealous sometimes. Peter's fire was always going, and that's one of the things about Peter that I love. Why do some people walk away? Because they can't light the fire anymore. Why do some people stick it out over and over and over and over again and they keep coming back? They keep coming back because that fire has not gone out yet. People like Peter, his fire was gone. He didn't know everything, he didn't always do everything right, but he was trying. But also, we need to look at that hope that's set out right in front of us. One of the things I loved about Mark Roberts' lessons that he gave us not long ago was that the, really the first thing he focused on was hope, right? What do we do when we want to grow? We keep our eyes focused on that hope that is right out in front of us. That hope that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, how we, it's just the lavish blessings that God has given to us, how we can focus on where we're going what's been promised to us. And if we just keep a focus on that and know that there is something forward for us, then we can keep progressing. Then it keeps us motivated. It keeps pushing us ahead one step after another step after another step. Even though we might fall, even though we might have struggles and difficulties, just keep looking to where we're headed. And that's really helpful for us. The more we can grow that hope, the more that we can grow that vision of what's in store for us, the more it helps us stay focused and not get so distracted with the short-sightedness of looking around at all the problems and looking around at all the discouragement that happens in this world. And the last thing. And this is what Peter does. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I think what Peter does here is so powerful because obviously he struggled with these things himself. Obviously he is, he's gone through a lot. And now that he's trying to get his audience to listen and to, to grow in these things, he says in verse 12 something really powerful. He says, therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, and so what he says there, obviously, is like, you know what I'm talking about. This is not the first time you've heard about faith and virtue and godliness and self-control and brotherly affection and love and all the things that he's been talking about here. It's not the first time you've heard that. I'm going to remind you again. You ever have a friend who just like constantly keeps saying the same thing to you over and over again? And you, you start to think, like, do they really mean it anymore? Peter means it. Every time he reminds them of these things. In verse 13, he says, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of this body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus made clear to me. He knows he's going to die. He's only got so many hours left in his life to help them understand, so he's going to keep reminding them. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. What does Peter do? I just got to remind you guys. I'm sorry I'm saying the same thing again. 
I'm sorry I'm repeating myself. I feel like a broken record. We've talked about this before, but you know what? I'm going to tell you again. That's not a bad thing. Get you a preacher who reminds you every day over and over again the same thing, lovingly, carefully, like I know we have here. Get yourself somebody in your life who reminds you just constantly the same things you've been hearing and just let it sink in. Because that's Peter's reminder here. You know what, though? Where does he get that tactic? Where does he get that tactic of reminder? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did with him after he told him to feed my sheep? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do the work, Peter. Feed my sheep. Focus on the people. Over and over again, Jesus told him the same thing three times in a row. Repetition is not a bad thing. And Peter's helping us by reminding us of the things we already know. And sometimes the cure for blindness, sometimes the cure for just taking our hands off of our eyes and seeing things clearly, is to hear the same stuff we've been hearing for a while. And maybe this time, it'll sink in. So the lesson's yours. I appreciate your attention. I know some of my lessons today have been very long, and I know some of you would like to go home or do other things, but I hope this reminder about our focus and our spiritual vision and this morning our willingness to open up our hearts and hear, I hope these reminders have been helpful. I know this is not going to be like a, you know, five things to do this afternoon, ready, go. But I hope these things, you'll cogitate on them, you'll think about them, you'll meditate on them, and that most importantly, you and I, together, will go out this week and do them, put them into practice. If you need help from this group in some way, if you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, if you need our prayers for help, please come as we stand and sing. I hear